So good to be in your ears again. How are you doing? The world is sunshiny and people are out. They're busy. There's so much fun stuff happening right now. Businesses are starting to gain traction again. Communities are waking up. It's just, ah, it's just a really great season right now. The trees are in bloom up here at Edmonton and it's starting to look really beautiful. So what are you doing? What's new in your life lately? There are some really fun things happening with the book truck. So lately, a couple of markets have decided it is time to open. Yes. So Daisy has had her first time at the 124th Street Market. um, And it's been fun. I have missed your faces. Talking books with you and exchanging stories about books you've loved and just being out in public, whether you're masked and gloved or not, I am happy to see you. It has been so, so much fun. So we have a regular calendar of dates that we are filling up again. And it is so nice to know that Daisy is not just a delivery truck, but she is actually being used for her purpose, which is to be a bookstore on wheels. And for all of you who are experiencing Daisy for the first time, it is an honor to introduce her to you. It is such, such fun. So let me see what is happening here. Um, Oh, today you guys are going to hear something kind of funny. So my two daughters and I went into the book truck and we used it as a mini recording studio. And we decided to record just a sample of what I'm calling the Reader Rapid Fire 30. Now, if any of you listened to the podcast last week, you heard my daughter, Hannah, who is also our newest employee. Yay, love her. She did the rapid fire theory, so you got to hear her answers. So today, what I'm going to share with you is just kind of a funny little tidbit of my rapid fire 30. So it is it is raw, it is unedited, and I hope you enjoy it because, man, we had a giggly good time doing it. That is something I think I'm going to include on a regular basis. 30 questions about your reading life, hearing about people on the book truck journey, about their stories, the books that matter to them, the books that have made an impact on them, where you like to read, what you like to do while you read. You know, all these things are about making the reading experience personal. And I think it is so fun to get a little bit of insight into that part of people's lives. So I created 30 questions that we can touch base with people and find out, you know, what does your reading life look like? So here, here's a little bit of a sneak peek at my reading life. How about we do a practice run? Well, just like of five questions. I want to see how this I think what go. you need to do is get some kind of personality on both ends. I'm a personality and so, so that means like a little bit of banter when you can. Okay. No, I'm not that. So let's let's go. So this is phase one. No, this is. I think it's weird if you plan it out. Yeah. Are you recording this? Yeah, because I have to edit it out. <laughs> it's fine. <laughs> okay. 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 Oh, do you want me to start? Sure. Okay, let's get this ball rolling. Let's roll. What is an author you'd most like to have coffee with? C.S. Lewis. Which fictional character? Oh no. 
<laughs> Which fictional world time period would you like to spend a weekend in? Austin's Victorian England. Okay. Uh, name a book that changed how you see the world. Interrupted by Jen Hatmaker. And what's the book that broke your heart? Oh, A Little Life by Hanya Yagihara. Love that. If the story of your life were made into a film, who would play you? Undoubtedly, Melissa McCarthy. Uh, <laughs> and what's a book that didn't live up to its hype? The Nest. A book that wasn't hyped enough. Ooh, eleven twenty two sixty three. A book that should never be made into a film. The Name of the Wind. A screen adaptation that actually... Oh, no, no. <laughs> a screen adaptation that's actually better than the book. Somewhere in Time. Last book you stopped reading. The Goldfinch? Yeah. Last book you bought. The Bookwoman of Troublesome Creek. Last book someone gave you. People don't give me books anymore. Last book you reread. Master of the Game. Last book you suggested to someone. The One. I was that someone. You were. Last book you posted a pic of. We need to talk about Kevin. Book you're reading right now. The Winter Garden. Next book you can't wait to start. The Nickel Boys. And who's the best literary villain? Ooh, The White Witch of Narnia. Agreed. Yeah. Name the first three books that come to mind. The Stand, The Bible, The Notebook. Okay, ebook or tree book? Tree! <laughs> Weirdest thing you've used as a bookmark? A toothbrush. Let's <laughs> 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 keep it real. Okay, where was I? Oh, oh, okay, your favorite place to read? A deck chair by the water. Nice, nice. Yeah. Borrow or buy a book? Buy. What's a book you loaned and never got back? I don't know the name of it. It's a Jody Picoult book. Or Pico book. You don't have Pico? 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 Jody Pico? It's not, that's not it. It's Picoult. It's, I don't know, actually. I think it's Pico. Let's call her Jody. Or Jody. Pico. A book by Jody. <laughs> a book you borrowed and never returned. Hotline to Julie Parr. Sorry, Julie. Rest in peace. <laughs> What's your favorite word? Whimsical. How do you organize your bookshelves? Based on what looks good together. Okay, what do you drink while reading? Uh, I like a London Fog or a wine, white wine. What is the thickest book on your shelf? The Joy of Cooking. Is that Julia Child? No. Oh. <laughs> so not Julia. Not Julia. How many books did you read last year? 82. Impressive. Thank you. That was fun. You did a great job. Oh, thanks. I messed up many if I'm... <laughs> Don't put that in there. <laughs> oh, oh, I'm sorry. This doesn't have an edit feature. It's going to be just like this. I can't help it. People will be very kind and gracious, Let's put though. them start again. <laughs> And this interview was done by Hannah. Yeah, it was. That's Hannah. Okay, thanks, That's Hannah. Me. I appreciate it. And who is our instructor? Sydney. Sydney. <laughs> All right. Thank you, guys. Appreciate it. Okay. So I hope that you enjoyed listening to that as much as we had fun doing it. Um, 
On today's podcast, I'm going to introduce you to Janelle Dudzik. Janelle is a self-proclaimed photographer, educator, urban beekeeper, a Dungeons and Dragons nerd, and a storyteller. Janelle is inspired. She's passionate. She's energetic. She's so fun. And I had the thrill of meeting her on more than one occasion. And I am regularly inspired by her visual talent as a photographer. Now, Janelle and I had this conversation back in April. So some of the references to COVID and the restrictions and isolation might seem a little bit outdated as we are getting a little bit less restrictive. But keep in mind that some of the impacts of COVID are still very real to so, so many. So I hope that you will find some nuggets of wisdom and something really relevant for today in our conversation. Janelle, I'm so excited to finally get a chance to talk with you. I'm excited too. This is good. We got all our tech issues out of the way and it's going to work. We did. It's amazing how a simple conversation can get so complicated. Yes. So now you and I have met a couple of times Mm -hmm. and we are buddies on social media, but can you tell everybody listening a little bit about you, what you do, what you love, how you spend your time? For me, what I do, I'm a photographer and I'm primarily a wedding photographer. And I've been doing that, I want to say for a while, uh, so about five years since I've had my business license, but I decided to go full time with it back in December, which was amazing timing. Not really (laughs) because of the current uh, COVID-19 crisis. So uh, maybe was not the best time to quit my job at the university. Uh, And I had worked at the University of Alberta for about five years doing student services work. And I primarily worked with a group of student staff. And I did a lot of training for student staff, a lot of Uh, online courses for them uh, and building their skills so that they could work on campus and then also join the workforce. Now, you also call yourself a storyteller, an urban beekeeper, and an adult education enthusiast. Yeah. I have to tell you, you sound like an incredibly diverse girl. Cool. Uh, Yeah, I can talk about that a little bit. So I got into storytelling and this fits in well with your podcast because I loved reading books when I was little. Um, I was that kid that their parents would get mad at them in the car because we'd be driving through the mountains. They'd be like, look at the mountains. I was like, no, I'm reading my book. Leave me alone in the back (laughs) of the car. I'm fine. Just (laughs) let me read. Uh, So I loved reading stories. And I also loved writing stories too when I was really little. Uh, And when I became, I guess, a teenager, that storytelling passion turned uh, visual. So I was quite into cinema um, and I didn't have a video camera, but I did have a point and shoot camera. So my first point and shoot camera was a Fujifilm camera, one of those little guys. And I just loved that. I would enter the Costco photo contest. I never won, but it was super fun anyways. Um, And when I hit high school, there was a class in our high school that was called Yearbook. I can't believe it was a, cl- a class and not a club, because I think in most schools, <laughs> it's a club, but I got credits for it, which was awesome. Yeah, so once I graduated high school, and I didn't have that storytelling avenue for me anymore, because I couldn't be in the Yearbook club or Yearbook class anymore, uh, wedding photography naturally fell into like the next best fit. And I was very fortunate in that I grew up in a rural community and a lot of my friends 
were getting married at a younger age. So I had that advantage in terms of they remembered me from high school and they're like, hey, you're good with a camera. Let's do this. So that's kind of where that started out. And uh, the beekeeping part. uh, So that is something I've started in the last little bit. And I am very new at it. So I can't really say that I'm like an awesome uh, beekeeper. I don't sell honey. That's a question people ask all the time. I don't. Uh, It's something that my dad and I are doing for fun together to hang out. And he has years of experience uh, working with his dad as well as his uncle on beekeeping. And um, uh, me being an adult education enthusiast, I looked up the first course I could and I took that through Nate's in October. So I'm really excited that I get to call myself a certified urban beekeeper. Good for you. Uh, mm-hmm. That is very exciting. And that is not something that is super common. Like it's just not a typical thing. So for you to take that on, that is a really, really fantastic initiative. I think that's exciting. And it's so hard. There is so much involved with beekeeping. It's really it's beekeeping you should call it hive management so you're you really have to get in tune with your colony and all of the signs that are going on and like it's like a puzzle trying to figure out what the heck is happening in that hive of thousands of bees at a time it's amazing isn't it i had a friend who was uh, also a beekeeper and she was explaining to me about how the the queen works and then how the colony actually communicates mm-hmm. and how you can track what's happening and it was fascinating yeah, and you can track what's happening by looking at the different cells that are forming at different time periods within the within the within your frames. That's cool. Mm-hmm. That is really cool. Yes, I I do think that uh, our hives this year might not have survived because, and this is where the story gets really epic and sounds like it's not true. But they were attacked by a bear in about July, um, and the bear took most of the honey supply. Oh my! <laughs> yeah, uh, sounds like a storybook. It sounds like a Winnie the Pooh. Kind it does of. sound like Winnie the Pooh. Yeah. So we tried to help the hives recover as much as we could. Uh, and we put them away for the winter. So you winterize your hives. But in order for them to survive the winter, they need at least 80 pounds of honey to stay alive. And that's quite a bit of honey. So, And they also need to have Whoa. about two pounds of bees left. So when we did winterize them, we weren't sure that they were going to make it over the winter. That, <laughs> Yeah, you can't make that up. Like that, no, yeah, you can't. That that is unreal. Mm-hmm. Holy cow! So if they don't make it through the winter, do you have to start fresh? Yes. So there are a couple different places in Alberta where you can order new. Uh, they're called packages of bees. Mm-hmm. So if you still have all your equipment left over, you can order a new package, and they mostly come from New Zealand. And right now, that is really hard to get. And this is the time of year. April is the time of year where you would start your new hives. And right now, uh, we're just not seeing bees coming in. Wow. Yeah, everything is changing right now, isn't mm-hmm. it? The rules are just right out the window. Exactly. Yeah. Wow. Okay. So that's... Oh. So and so besides being a storyteller mm-hmm. and a beekeeper, or a hopeful beekeeper, if this all goes well, then you are also an adult education enthusiast. So I picture when you say that, that you are a girl who seeks out opportunities, who like soaks up information and just cannot wait to learn a new thing. Is that about right? Yes, that's half of it. 
Uh, the other half is that I love training people. Uh, so I did want to be a teacher at some point in my life. And then I decided I didn't want to work with parents. Sorry, parents. You kind of terrified me. <laughs> um, but <laughs> while I was in university working in student services, I realized that I love training adults on how to do new things. So I, I really love that. I had a lot of opportunity to uh, do those kind of projects working at the university. And uh, last year, I started taking an online course with the University of Calgary, uh, and it was an online learning course uh, for a certificate in adult learning for online teaching. So that's something I'm still pursuing and working on. Uh, even though I have left the university, I'm trying to bring adult education to the work that I do with photography, but also the work that I'm doing right now with uh, Yeg Boss Babes as their education coordinator. Now tell other people too what Yeg Boss Babes is. Um, they're based in Edmonton, uh, Edmonton, Alberta, and that's where I'm based as well. And Yeg is our air- airport code. So a lot of things in Edmonton, we just refer them to them as Yeg. And it's um, a directory as well as a membership. So it's a directory for different, uh, so you can pay to be on the directory for different businesses in Edmonton that are primarily um, organized or run by women. You don't have to be a woman to be a part of the group because everyone can be a babe. It's not just women. They offer a lot of resources as well. So they offer events, um, different supportive events for entrepreneurs. So uh, one of their more popular events are called Sip and Supports. So they're a group of about um, 10 women who we get together and talk about a topic One of the ones I went to was on imposter syndrome, which I felt was amazing because a lot of us who are starting out in a business, we feel like we don't belong there. We're not sitting at the right table for us. Maybe Um, we don't have the skills in place. And so to hear other women talk about how they felt that way too, uh, was really empowering. So that is awesome. That sounds right up your alley. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm excited that that transition out of my job at the U of A kind of worked well uh, with within that organization. Yeah, yeah that's perfect timing. Mm-hmm. And your job as a photographer, I have to tell you, Janelle, every time I see pictures that you have taken that you've posted on social media, I love it. I love you have a special oh gosh, filter, you. a special character, a tone that you use. And I can tell a Janelle shot right away when I see it. Wow. And they are so beautifully created. It's not just a snap. It is clearly an image that you have um, created, structured. You have made this something that it wasn't initially. And quite a talent. I have to tell you, it is beautiful what you create. I love it. Wow. Thank you so much. You're welcome. You're welcome. If if I was to ever have a wedding again, I would be calling you because, well, our wedding photography was pretty lame. We had those little you know, those disposable cameras on the tables. Mm-hmm. Everybody took pictures of their food and their feet. I don't know what we were thinking. And then and then we had uh, a friend of the family who took pictures. And I didn't even see my photos until we got back from our honeymoon. And it just, you got what you got, right? I don't even have a photo of me and my bridal party or me and my family. <laughs> We were not thinking. And I often joked that if I got married to Mark again, we would do it just for the photos. That's it. Just for the pictures. Mm -hmm. And that won't happen. But still, I would love to have called somebody like you who could create a visual story of that day and the emotions and the relationships. I think it's just such a beautiful skill. 
and one that everybody thinks they can do it because anybody can click a photo, but not everybody can create a story through photos. And I think you do that so incredibly well. Oh, thanks, Brandy. Uh, and a huge part of telling that story is really in getting to know the people that I'm working with on that day. So I pay extra attention to that. When I can, I go to uh, wedding rehearsals. I will learn the names of both sets of parents on either side of the family. I had one bride with nine siblings and I learned all of their names in one day. So just getting on a good first name basis with everyone, learning a little bit about their character can really help uh, build connection on that day. And then I'm picking up on like the different stories between those family members and I can bring those out in the photos as well. Yeah, you can tell. You can tell that there is definite attention paid to getting a deliberate shot to create a certain feeling or a certain memory uh, that I it's really beautiful and I, I love it I would love it if one day you and I collaborated on pictures of the truck and uh, what's happening you know if and when Daisy gets out there again yes I would exactly. love to see your version of a story <laughs> oh I'd love to come do that and I love watching your truck uh and checking out where it is online and anytime you're in a community where I'm like oh I know that place like I think you went out to Mournville once I'm like oh <laughs> I love Mournville and Brandy's out there um so yeah, I would love to take photos of the truck. That would be amazing. Yeah, that would be fun. So when everything gets back to normal again, we can we can collaborate on that. Mm -hmm. And now that like talking about COVID and how everybody is isolating and, and the world looks so very different. Mm -hmm. So how does your day look now as opposed to what it did before? Uh, I still work from home because I was working from home before COVID. I It is hard because I can't do any bookings within the like immediate future. So I did have to push a couple of projects back that I had planned for March and April. So everyone's being pretty flexible in terms of pushing that back. Um, but my day to day, I still work from home. So that's okay. I think uh, some of my friends who are not working from home, they are calling me a lot more. Uh, but I'm like, Oh, I'm, I'm still working from home. <laughs> I can't I can't chat all day on the phone. But this is lovely. Um, <laughs> so I'm very thankful for that. But it's tricky, because I, I still have to try to maintain that schedule a little bit. And you mentioned before, too, that when you were younger, you would read a lot and you didn't like to get pulled away to do things because you were focused on your book. Do you find you're reading more now than you were before? No, absolutely not. So sometime in my university years, I stopped reading. And I think this had to do with reading so many textbooks, uh, because that's all I could read back then. And I did a degree in history and political science of all things, so completely unrelated to everything I'm doing right <laughs> now. Uh, and both of those subjects required a heavy reading load. And they were all uh, nonfiction reading, of course. So I have found that I am not drawn to fiction anymore. Uh, and reading actually will put me to sleep a little bit, to be completely honest. So uh, the things that I can read that don't put me to sleep are a lot of really interesting self-help books um, that kind of gets me motivated. Well, when you think about it, though, when we're young, People mm -hmm. read us stories at bedtime yes. and it's very calming and it soothing is. and just the whole tone of it does put you to sleep. So mm -hmm. for you to read a story now and feel that same like, oh, this is not stimulating enough. I, I, oh, I'm going to fall asleep. That's probably hardwired into you a little bit. Probably. And yeah. so if university has ruined you for fiction, <laughs> then it hasn't obviously stimulated you enough to keep you awake. Mm. So maybe reading at night probably isn't the, <laughs> the best goal <laughs> for no. fiction. 
yeah, I, I actually, I do use reading at night um, to put me to sleep on nights where I can't fall asleep at all. So I will grab a fiction book and read it. <laughs> like fiction is like your NyQuil. Yeah, yeah. I just, I don't find it as interesting anymore, I think, either. No, you're not, you're not uh, alone in that. I think that definitely in different seasons of your life, reading can look very different. And when you're younger and everything is imagination and the what if factor and you just kind of get lost in a world, that's expected when you're young because you're not reading books about how to live your life better. You're supposed to read books about, you know, other worlds and, and fairy lands and, and all these different things. So when you get older and your life gets a little bit more structured and a little bit more logical, you look for things that are more relevant to where you are. So some people love the fiction books because they like to escape. They like to use that imagination part of them there. But if you're using your imagination and your storytelling and all of that in your work, you probably are looking for something with a little bit more structure in your reading life which makes sense if you're liking the self-help books. Wow, Brandy, I should be paying you for this therapy session. <laughs> <laughs> it's a social worker in me. I can't Just help it. A little bit. Okay, yeah. So are there any self-help books that you would think that, that really stand out to you that you'd say, oh, yeah, if someone got, was going to read one, this is one that they want to get? Uh, my favorite one that I've read in the last year is You Are a Badass, How to Stop Doubting Your Greatness and Start Living. And that's by Jen Sincero. And that is the book that pushed me to quit my job uh, and start doing what I love full time. That is awesome. That is a huge compliment to an author that they gave you that kind of nudge. Have you ever written her to tell her that? No, I have not. Should I? Wouldn't that just make her day? Yes. Cool. Oh, and, and now with social media, you could totally do it. It's it's so easy. Not like in the old days where we used to have to look up celebrities, you know, managers and contact information and then write them little letters. No, no. You can totally just contact her on social media. She would probably, you'd make her day, I bet. I might try that later today. We'll see. Yeah. Go for it. <laughs> and do you have any books on your nightstand right now? I do. Um, it's actually Harry Potter uh, and the Philosopher's Stone, and I'm using it to try to get me to go to sleep <laughs> over the last little bit. So my sleeping schedule has been thrown off uh, while we've been home. Uh, I know it's it sounds bad that I'm trying to use Harry Potter to go to bed, but um, it is a very relaxing, very calming book. And I haven't reread this series in a very long time, so I now have time, a little bit more time on my hands. So. That is the series yeah. I'm rereading. You know, I think that's okay. However you are picking up Harry Potter and getting it into your life, I'm all for it. <laughs> if it is to help you at bedtime when your life is all calm and you're chill and you're looking to relax, that is fine too. Some yeah. people use it and they stay awake and they're all stimulated. You know, I don't care. However you're getting Harry Potter into your day, that is wicked awesome. What is your Hogwarts house? I'm a Gryffindor. Uh, yeah, I've taken the test a couple times because I thought, are they just telling everybody they want to be Gryffindor? So, <laughs> so I, I thought it was all bogus. So mm -hmm. I took it <laughs> more than once. And no, I'm really Gryffindor. That's for Were sure. You try to like deke yourself out by like guessing what the answers are going to be on those personality tests. Yeah, I tried, mm -hmm. <laughs> but then I couldn't remember what are the positive characteristics of the other houses. Like I know right. Slytherin was so bad, and but yet they were very intelligent and crafty. Okay, but I don't remember what the other two were in terms of characteristics, so I couldn't fake the test out very well. Uh, 
I was not good at that. Yeah. What's your house? Hufflepuff, a hundred percent, a hundred percent, hundred percent Hufflepuff. So, what yeah. are the Hufflepuff characteristics? Um, they're very kind and caring for other people and loyal as well, uh, which fits my Enneagram. So, I think if I did the Enneagram um, with the Hufflepuff house, they like match almost exactly. Yeah, I've never done the Enneagram oh. test. Okay, it is so cool. I- I'm curious. I hear a lot of people say, oh, I'm an Enneagram 1 or I'm an Enneagram 4. Well, mm-hmm. I don't know what that means. Well, I'm not an Enneagram expert, and there are quite a few people out there who are trained in how to do um, the, the test and how to talk you through it. But you can find a test online. You go through, and it gives you a number. I think it's 1 through 9. And I ended up as a 6, and a 6 is the loyalist type, so we're very... Um, preoccupied with security, with um, like not not going, not taking risks, things like that. That is cool. I'm very intrigued by that because even in leadership for business, I listen to a lot of podcasts and read mm-hmm. the books, and and they're often saying, "Oh well, of course you're going to think that because you know you're an Enneagram Seven, so a Seven talking to a Four is probably going to have." I'm like, "Whoa, whoa, whoa, hold on. <laughs> Let's speak English here." Yeah. I have no idea what that stuff means. And it, it is very interesting to find out. I think, though, sometimes we for, we forget we take them very, very seriously. We try, tend to pigeonhole ourselves into these different personality types. Um, so it's always good that if you are taking one of those tests to reflect and kind of see where, like, take it with a grain of salt, essentially. And it's not your end-all, be-all, depending mm-hmm. on where you are. So yeah. if, you, if you're sorted into Gryffindor House and you did not want to be Gryffindor, like, it's it doesn't need to change your life it doesn't need to be your end all be all you can still move your personality around a little bit oh okay well i will look into that online then and see if there's Mm -hmm. some information i can garner from that because i am curious there's a whole level of self-examination that we just typically like to do isn't there like self-help books have become very big because we want to understand and we want to communicate better and we want to have more um, wisdom about why we are the way we are and figure things out and if I'm like this and you must be like that and there's there's this whole level of creating a new balance in the self-help world which I think is very interesting especially as a ex-social worker you're always looking at people in terms of how they're feeling and how they're working on the things in their life. And self-help is trying to tell you, you can do that on your own. But the funny part is so many people, if they're the problem, they can't find the solution because they're looking for the wrong thing in the wrong way. So I find the right book at the right time makes the big difference. So just like you read the Jen Sincero book, Mm -hmm. if you had read it at a different time, it might not have made the same kind of impact on you. Exactly. Yeah. And everyone has a different learning style as well. This is something that we learn in the adult education world. So not everything fits everybody. So similar to how you're talking about, you know, finding the right book at the right time. It's it's funny how we think that if we're pigeonholing characteristics, we also pigeonhole certain genres or types of books. Like if you read a romance book, you must be this kind of a reader or this type of a person. Or if you read history or philosophy, you must be this kind. And honestly, it is not like that at all. It is such a broad, diverse spectrum. You can read anything. It is all good, right? There's no there's no rules about that. And I think that that is such a, a funny quirk people have about we pigeonhole our characteristics and we stereotype ourselves, but we also do that to other readers in terms of 
what kinds of reading life they should or shouldn't have. Mm-hmm. Right? Like, <laughs> like you have a reading life that is different than when you had when you were younger. And that's totally fine because obviously university has, you know, ruined it for you, which is sad. But but who knows? Someday you might pick up a fiction book and it will all of a sudden be new to you and you will enter a whole new season of reading. Who knows? Yeah, it could be just my season of life is very much in development mode and thinking mode and reflection mode, as you you had said. So I'm not into learning about other people's stories. I'm focused on real stories. Is there a good biography that you read recently? Oh boy, let me see. I'm using Google while we're here. An autobiography is a self-written account of the life of oneself. Okay, so self-written accounts. Um, I love Mindy Colling and hers. Is it Why Is Everybody Having Fun Without Me? Yes, I love that one because I definitely was someone who had the fear of missing out. So reading her book uh, really helped me get through that. She's also so funny. I listened to her second one Mm -hmm. on audio and she reads it. So it's kind of like having her read her life story to you or do a stand-up of her story to you. And it was so entertaining. I just really loved it. Her tone of voice put the right inflection in all the right places. It was so worth listening to. Have there been any other books that you can think of in terms of biographies or anything that has encouraged you? Reading Mindy Callum's book, was the first one that really shifted me into wanting to like I discovered it and realized oh I don't like fiction anymore I only am drawn to to nonfiction. yeah yeah it's there's I think a lot of really beautiful hidden gems in nonfiction. and when you find them it can really remind you that hey there is something great out there mm-hmm. and I I love that Mindy Kaling wrote these books because her voice speaks to so many people. She's so relevant. She can be humorous and and she can be all these things, but really her story is like so many of our stories. And I love that you can find yourself in somebody else's story and realize you have more in common than you thought. Mm -hmm. I did think of one last book. Uh, It is called Never Split the Difference. And I'm listening to it on audiobook right now. So although reading puts me to sleep, I love listening to audiobooks. So I have transitioned more into the audio realm. And yeah, it's called Never Split the Difference, Negotiating as if Your Life Depends on It. And it's by Chris Voss. And Chris is uh, an FBI negotiator for hostage and kidnapping scenarios. And I am only on about chapter three, but this book promises to take me through different negotiating tactics. And I hope to use them in my life. So with my family, (laughs) Um, as well as, uh, you know, building on my communication skills as a business owner and an entrepreneur. I think that uh, knowing how to negotiate smartly um, and using emotional intelligence in your negotiations is is key. And Chris talks quite a bit about emotional intelligence. Oh, have you ever read, I think it's called Emotional Intelligence. Is it by Daniel Goleman, I think? I have not, but it sounds exactly like the kind of thing I would want to read. Yeah, you would probably really like that one check that out it's very simple it's not it's not too um wordy or you know how sometimes a lot of self-help books when they're trying to get a very clear message to you they use way too many words and you think okay if you could just keep it simple for me (laughs) just get to the point i think the emotional intelligence book really does that well that's a good one yeah and that that's a big topic to tackle in in a book it is it is. And you almost have to choose, like, I like to take notes on those things when I write, when I read them, because otherwise I will just close the book and think, uh, what do I do with that? Because I don't remember what I read. It's yep. too much. But yeah, that's a, 
that was a really good one. I can see why those topics are very popular. Mm-hmm. So Janelle, now that you have all this time, <laughs> I laugh because <laughs> you work from home. So really, yeah. <laughs> really, you're just finding new ways to do things. And so how can people find you? Aha, uh-huh, yes. Uh, you can find me on my website, uh, which is www.JanelleDudzikPhotography.com or on Instagram as well, which is Janelle Dudzik Photography. Yeah, I think you have you have so much to offer the world with your vision and your creativity, your ability to tell their story with, with your perspective. Um, I just think that even if you're going to be training people, the level of compassion and sensitivity that you have as a person is a gift to anybody who's going to be learning from you. So I think that you are going to do amazing things. I am going to be listening with anticipation to all of the things happening on the web because I know they're going to be talking about you. We're going to hear your name. I just know it. You're going to be one of those people like, oh, Janelle. Oh, yeah, I've heard of her. She's great. So I'm, I'm very proud of you. I think you're just, I think you're an up and comer and I'm very excited for what you're going to do next. Oh my gosh. You're such an amazing cheerleader. <laughs> she talked to you every day. <laughs> it's my pleasure. Yeah. It's my pleasure. I, yeah, I'm, I'm very excited for you and I'm thrilled that you were able to spend time talking with me today and tell everybody a little bit about your life and what you're doing and Nowadays, when everything is so uncertain, to hear about books that can kind of reorient you and give you a new goal, a new perspective on things is really refreshing. So thank you for that. Yeah, absolutely. And I have a question. So any plan for a fleet, a fleet of Daisy Chain book uh, vans in the future? That would be so cool. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, there, you know what we had, um, Oh, oh, well, we had some plans. Yeah. And those are a little bit hijacked right now. Mm-hmm. So uh, I won't I won't say totally okay. what those plans yeah. were. But yes, Daisy continues to grow as a as a company and as an idea. And I don't know what's going to happen with her. I don't know. We'll have to see. Okay. But as long cool. as there are readers out there, I will have mm-hmm. I will have wheels to reach them. Oh, I'm so glad to have a chance to talk with Janelle. Okay, so readers, let me just make this really, really simple for you. There are no hard, fast rules about what your reading life should look like. Give yourself a break. It's okay if you don't read as much as you used to, or if you've changed what you read so that you can do something different with your time. That is okay. There are no rules. We are not going to be book shaming each other. No, no, mm -mm, no girl, not here. This is not how it works. Just like Janelle said, when she was younger, she read and now she reads if she wants to fall asleep because it's not as stimulating. You guys, that's okay. You know what? Let's not point fingers, right? We read what we want to read when we want to read it. We choose audio, we choose paper books, we choose eBooks, whatever. You know in this space I'm okay with all of that. There are no worries. So I am so thrilled that Janelle was able to talk to us about her story, what her storytelling experience is like in both photography and as an adult education enthusiast. It is awesome. You guys, readers look like everything out there. Just like there are so many different kinds of books, there are so many different kinds of readers. Let's embrace each other. There's no rules. There's no race, and it's not even about how many books can you read because it's not a contest. If you read the most books, you don't get a prize. I'm sorry. It's just not happening. 
let's just say, I love it. I love what you're reading. I love that you're reading and move on. Okay. Okay. All right. And since we're on the topic of reading, because this is a bookish podcast, of course, we're going to talk about it. I thought I would share a little bit with you about books that I have read recently. So a book that I have finished recently is called Cell by Stephen King. This is a book that I would say is much more of what I would consider a typical Stephen King book. It has death, it has some gore, it has some, you know, fear moments and the running from creatures who are out to get you. It's a very interesting premise though. What happens is all of a sudden cell phones become something that are used to turn people against each other. They are used to sort of brainwash people or hijack their personalities. So all of a sudden, I think it's October 1st at 3.03 p.m., anybody who's on a cell phone flips. They go crazy. They start killing each other. They have these weird rampages. They start hurting themselves. And the gentleman who is the main character in this book, he doesn't have a cell phone. So similar to what I felt like in The Stand, how the world all of a sudden changed and a certain group of people find each other, they band together to try and combat this and solve the problem or recreate society. This is a similar type of thing. It was a very good book. I enjoyed it uh, until the end. And it had a very unsatisfying ending. I won't give any spoilers. I won't say anything about that. But I was left with more questions and I did not like that. So... Um, I like the book until the ending. <laughs> I just really, I wanted to know more. Um, so that was one book that I did finish recently. Another book I read recently was called Master of the Game by Sidney Sheldon. Now this book, y'all, took me right back to my teenage years. I read a bunch of Sidney Sheldon when I was a teenager. And as I'm reading this book, I realized, holy crap, I was reading some risque stuff when I was young. Whew, this was this was a little more saucy than I was used to, but it was a good story. It was very much kind of a mm, let me think. It was like a Jeffrey Archer. It was it was a book that was a multi generational story, a lot to do with business, power, relationship, betrayal. It was great. It was kind of like watching Dynasty. The old Dynasty, uh-huh, okay, not the new one. I didn't see the new one, but I don't like remakes. So the old Dynasty, if you could put it in a book format, that's what it was like. So it was good. I enjoyed it. Um, Master of the Game by Sidney Sheldon. Yep, yeah, that was, that was worth my time. Um, another one that I finished was called Swimming Lessons by Claire Fuller. Now this one had been recommended to me by a reader and I thought, okay, it came across my desk and I thought, well, I'm curious about that one. So I'll dig right on in. Yeah, I did not love this. Mm -mm. It was not interesting enough to really grab hold of me. And I think the problem was that I was really hoping to get so much more out of it. It had the promise of so much and none of those promises were really fulfilled for me. It's the story of a family who had a tragedy where their mother vanished. She just disappeared. And the father, who was an author, never really seemed to fully get over this. And he had two daughters. And as he's getting sick, 
they come to his aid and then they discover some letters that were hidden throughout his home that their mother who vanished had left. So in these letters, she tells a story of her life and her decision-making as a mom and as a wife and, and whatnot. And it leads up to where you think this is going to explain her vanishing and what happened. And then there's a potential question, did she really vanish or did she not? Um, so I had all these questions and when I finished, I realized, uh, you know what, that is time I'm never going to get back reading that book. So there were parts that I think were beautifully written, but it was a story that seemed to want to be something else. So that was not really great for me. Friend, whatever it is you're reading, maybe it's a great book, maybe it's not so great book, maybe the next awesome book is the next one on your TBR. Whatever it is, I hope that you are dedicating time to all the beautiful reading moments. Those quiet moments, those exciting moments, those just one more chapter moments, you know, where you're just kind of wide-eyed and you just cannot wait to see what happens next. And that satisfaction when you finish a book and you... <sighs> I wish all those moments for you right now. The world is so crazy and there's so much uncertainty going on. People are afraid. People are trying to be really upbeat for each other, but inside they're kind of feeling a little bit low. There's so much loss. They're grieving the connection that they have with their friends and their loved ones. And a book cannot necessarily make up for the loss of those things, but what it can do is give your brain a moment where it just calms down. All of a sudden, the world and the chaos that is swirling around you out there and all the news reports and all of the constant updates we get from the World Health Organization and the governments. And you know what? Reading gives you a break from all of that. And friend, you need it. You need the break. So please pick up a book, listen to a book, whatever it is. It doesn't, I don't care what kind of book it is, but anything that gets you out of that crazy swirl of uncertainty and fear that we're all stuck in right now, a book can take you out of there and give you something else to think about for a while, give your brain something to chew on, give you another relationship to kind of dive into when you can't hug the people that you love. So that's what I want for you. I hope that you are out there with the people that you love, reading something awesome and making the most out of this time of isolation and weirdness, because we are going to look back on this and we are writing the story of COVID every single day. So I hope that your story is that your family is healthy and that you're finding out new weird things about them because you're stuck with them every freaking day. You're realizing there are amazing things about the people that you already love and that you're living with. So love on your people, stay home, read a book, and I'll see you here next Monday. Bye. Mm -hmm.